people come in here and they tell us how they feel and it's exactly the way we wanted them to feel. Welcome to Masters of Trade Powered by Diggs. I'm your host, Constance Dunn, and today we have a great conversation with one of the bright lights in design, particularly hospitality design, and that is Hannah Collins of San Francisco-based firm Roy. Welcome, Hannah. Hi. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Now, one of the things when I was kind of doing some recon, you're very, very well known um, in a town that where the bar is very high for restaurants and hospitality. And one of the things that really struck me was just how young you were when you first when you got your first gig. And and I'm curious about that girl who's attending art school in San Francisco and where the moxie came from to approach a leading restaurant tour and say, boom. I should be designing your next restaurant? That's such a good question. Um, I mean, you know, when you're young, you're, it's like, <laughs> I don't know the, what the saying is. Um, like, you don't know what you don't know, I guess. But I, um, I, I was working for him as um, a server at one of his restaurants. And I had found out that he was opening um, another spot around the corner and, you know, I just walked up to him one day. He was uh, in one afternoon and I just, I, I thought if I approached him with sort of like, you know, how can I, how can I contribute or how can I help you mm-hmm. in this process? Um, he would be open to it. And so I just, I asked him if he, if he ever had a minute to, to chat about it. He said, yes. Uh, we set up a meeting and, you know, I just uh, showed him my portfolio and I said, I'm super passionate about uh, designing restaurants and hospitality. And um, would you ever just let me sit in on the the process with you of mm-hmm. of how you work? And, and he had hired a design firm at the time and um, he said, sure, no problem. And he invited me to the first meeting and um, we ended up kind of just working on that project together, just he and I and, and the other um, partners and owners of the project um, after, you know, him, him and the designer just weren't really seeing eye to eye. And uh, he ended up uh, sort of looking at me and saying, can we do this together? And I said, sure. And so I was kind of just uh, a little bit of a fly on the wall and definitely just kind of trying to absorb everything I could from him. And I would run to the design center right. and bring him samples and I would sketch things out for him. And and it was just, it was a really fun project. So you kind of, um, I like your approach because you really thought of it like a service first type of approach. It wasn't like, here I am, help me. It's just like, how can I help you? Which is kind of, I think that's very um, pragmatic and business minded of you. Where where did that come from at, at a young age? Um, you know, that's a good question. I mean, my my family has a lot of entrepreneurs in it. Um, my parents owned restaurants themselves mm-hmm. and um, were just always extremely hardworking people. And I think they, right. they really raised my sister and I to have the mindset of, um, you know, you can achieve anything you want. You have to ask. You have to put yourself out there. You have to be in the right place at the right time. Um, right. But, you know, never assume that things are owed to you sort of mentality. And so I thought, you know, if I could be of service uh, to him and helping him through this process, I'd have a better chance at him saying yes. 
So right. it worked. <laughs> that that makes sense. And the, the name of that wonderful restaurant is your first project. Yeah, which is Lolinda, which is forever ago. <laughs> and it's Let's very see. beautiful. And it's it I think it's it's really interesting in your background too, how you came from being a rest working in restaurants. Like you mm-hmm. were you knew the logistics part, like how to marry this creativity with the kind of pragmatics of running a restaurant. Totally. I mean, I grew up in restaurants. I Some of my earliest memories were me wanting to be um, a host, wanting to be a bartender, you know, just working in them. Those were like my idols as a kid. Um, all these people running around, you know, just being super hospitable. That was a really amazing place to grow up. Um, and started working in restaurants super early. Um, I think I pulled shifts at my mom's cafe when I was like 10. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that, that just stayed in me and in college, just working in restaurants to be able to support myself um, was a really, really great way to meet people in the industry. So a lot of my work has come from just people that I, that I had met through the years who went on to open their own places and things like that. Um, But, you know, it really, gave me insight into the clarity of what I wanted to do. Um, I, I worked at a high-end residential firm right out of, of college, and it was pretty clear to me that that wasn't the best path for me. I was just obsessed with finding a way to get back to restaurants. So, Do you consider restaurants like a place apart from daily reality? Because your, your mm-hmm. work's they all have like a certain glamour to them, like an otherworldliness. It's so cool. And I'm just curious. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do feel that part of the reason where we love to go out to eat is, you know, to have an immersive experience, to have something that feels transportive. Um, I would say our work is really concept driven, um, which is something you don't find I don't, I didn't find it to come as easily in residential. I think um, with hospitality projects, it's really easy to have a narrative, have a concept and have something um, to grow the design from. You know, at Roy, we really see ourselves as telling other people's story. We're not trying to impart our story onto their vision. We're trying to pull their vision out of them and make it sort of the best possible version that they could imagine. Um, while also making sure that we're balancing um, sort of the uh, the operational component of restaurants, the durability, the feasibility, the constructability, all of that stuff, which is just not, it, you just don't see the same challenges in residential. And so having that background of um, working in restaurants and being able to create these really immersive, transportive concepts sort of come together to... Um, let me do the work that I absolutely love. Yeah. And you're increasingly like you're working beyond, you know, restaurants, but I did want to bring up, we have some images from one of your more recent projects. And I know your firm is really doing very well and you guys recently moved and I want to talk about that, but I want to bring up just an image or two from Delphina. And for those of you who are just listening and don't, um, and are not seeing this, this is, a, a well, I'll let you talk about it, Hannah. Sure. Uh, so Delphina is um, a project that we have 
recently worked on it just opened a few weeks ago um the original delfina if you if you're in and of the bay area you probably recognize the delfina brand um, and name they have pizzeria concepts and they also had this original um, more fine dining concept which was their first location before they opened up the pizzeria um Craig and Annie are the owners. They're a husband and wife team. They have an incredible story. They're very inspiring clients. And we were sort of um, tasked with combining their original location, which actually encompasses three storefronts that they acquired over the years as their concept grew. This picture we're looking at right now used to be the pizzeria, which was sort of an add-on to their original fine dining location. Um, and so we were tasked with redesigning the entire space as one cohesive high-end kind of fine dining restaurant for them, um, back to their, to their roots, uh, and really trying to embody their storyline, their, their history of their time in the mission, um, and all of the values that they have and the things that they really love and care about into one physical space. And that ceiling must have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. It almost got cut out because it was a bit difficult to design. Um, the architect, whose name is Sarah Fuchinaro, and she um, runs Fuchinaro Designs, she um, actually came up with the arch idea, which I thought was so brilliant when she said it. I said, we absolutely have to do that, and we have to find a way to make this work. Um, we This second part of the restaurant is very sort of long and narrow. And we were talking about, you know, how do we make it feel really special? How do we make it feel like a space that kind of has an identity of its own? And she was talking through all this amazing sort of inspiration about like these vaulted um, architectural elements that you see in Italy uh, that that can be really beautiful. And it was sort of like, how do we modernize that and, and make it fit within the space? And so we ended up doing this really beautiful brush brass mesh um, specification on the material with these sort of like ribbed bone um, vertebrae, if you will, to, to hold the brass mesh up within this arch structure. And it was just, it turned out better than I thought it would. And, and to the construction side of your work, mm -hmm. your, your firm, Roy, is very involved in that side. Like you really understand construction. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think um, just being a commercial designer lends itself a little bit more to that. We we really get in the details. We handle majority of the projects that we work on. We handle the fabrication of all the custom furniture, um, all the custom banquettes, anything that's wood or metal. We generally design, have fabricated and installed and sort of handle that whole process. We have a slew of artists and fabricators that we work with who are just so extraordinarily talented. Um, in and around the Bay Area, we have a big workshop in LA that we work with. And um, it's really fun to be able to have that much um, sort of customization and control over the outcome. Uh, and I think it, it makes for more special spaces. It makes for spaces that really feel more connected to the client um, and to sort of their story. And it's wonderful, wonderful to be able to be involved in the construction. Most of our projects, we stay on through kind of the construction management phase as well and help with just coordination, scheduling, and making sure everything's getting done the right way. So basically, instead of necessarily you're not constrained by oh we're, we want to source this something but i'm not finding it you could just make it 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot okay. of times, um, you know, well, we, we typically design without thinking about sourcing. So we design with um, what would be our ideal version of this. And then sometimes it ends up being more cost effective to source certain elements. And sometimes it's more cost effective to design things custom. Like the arch, for example, is an unsourceable item. So that obviously had to be designed custom. Um, but even things like the mirrors in this um, in this picture is something that we might make if we needed it to be the exact size that we wanted uh, versus being able to source something that exists. I think with um, supply chain issues being such a challenge over the last year, couple of years, one of the luxuries we've had is being able to just make things. Um, and typically we can make things for similar to retail pricing uh, because we do such high volumes of things. So it's been, yeah. it's been really nice to be able to have that um, in our back pocket. So there is another facet. How interesting, because when you're talking about how it was really encompassing a story that had different sections, not just chapters. Totally. So you can see one of the things we decided to do was keep the original um, demarcations of the storefronts in the floors. So you can see that the wood floor, which is first, is the original um, Jara wood is the species of flooring that they put down when they when they open their first uh, storefront. Then they expanded, and that's like got concrete slab, which you can see. And then the what we call the private dining room, um, which was the pizzeria, has we had to put a new floor in, but it has a mosaic that's sort of reminiscent of the original pizzeria floor. And so being able to build on those layers. Um, gives the space a real authenticity and it really starts to tell the story of their past within the space and how it changed and evolved over, over the years. But um, you can see that combining the two spaces had its challenges. Uh, we wanted each space to sort of feel special and unique, but also really connected as one restaurant. So we built these really beautiful, they're kind of like an amber, um, like a soft glowy amber resin is what they are. They're from a company called Freeform and they louver open and close between the two spaces to be Ah. able to sort of create activation when you want them open or if someone really wants to do a buyout in that back room, it can become more private. Nice. Now, this, like I mentioned, the scope of your projects has been changing and I'm very interested, although a lot of your projects are very focused in the Bay Area, there's one from not too long ago that was as far away as Utah. If we could check out good old Yonder Escalante, which I was reading Condé Nast wrote that Yonder Escalante is like parachuting into a design lover's dream of the American West. So congratulations (laughs) on you making that happen. Thank you. Yeah, this project was spectacular. I mean, it's not something I had on my radar of being a project that we would ever do, but being able to um, concept and design uh, an outdoor hospitality project as robust as this was just a total dream come true. And I actually um, lived on property in an Airstream for a few months to get this project done, um, was very, very involved in the, um, in the build out and it was COVID. So I was like, sure, I'll take an adventure. We were working remote anyway. And, um, it was, it was really, really an incredible experience. 
what a great experience. And it's, it's, can I ask how this came about? Because I just think, A, the timing, you're mentioning COVID, B, just as an artist, you know, you're out, you get out of the city, you're not in your office every day, you're out in this amazing Utah, is it a park? Is it like adjacent? <laughs> yeah. It's in, um, so technically it's in the Escalante National Forest, um, okay. which is a, a park, um, and it's sort of, uh, it's about, it's like a five-hour drive from Salt Lake, um, so kind of way down in the southern part of Utah, um, and just, I mean, the landscape was extraordinarily beautiful, a really unique opportunity to be able to live on property and um, have this be able to build this dream uh, of a hospitality concept. Um, the oh, It's the same ownership group that um, owned Sam's of Tiburon, and they, they had hired us to do Sam's in Tiburon, which was one of our projects, and they this was uh, another hospitality project of theirs. So that's how they found us and how we got connected with them. And it's just, I mean, just an incredible experience. Definitely opened my mind a lot into what's possible and um, what we wanted to build. And we're doing more hotels now and, and really involved in some larger projects of this size um, and even larger. And um, this was technically like a value add strategy. They bought an art, an existing RV park and added these units and added um, additional buildings and things like that. But um we, we're doing more ground up development projects now like this in the hospitality sector. And it's, it's just so fun. So, and especially it's like that time that you spent in residential, you know, cause you moved, you pivoted, totally. but now you're like, yay, I got I'm like back. some value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all that experience, it wasn't like for nothing. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, designing hotels is still a bit different because everything, I mean, it's kind of the best of both worlds. It's like, I get to play with, um, soft textures and and things that feel kind of um you know more residential uh in experience and so that is is a really fun attribute of of not just doing restaurants but being able to transition into more um, larger hospitality projects for sure well right and as far as designing experiences i'm just interested in hi-fi wines i just think this is cool i know you've done projects like this um wine bars i guess boutique I guess you could say liquor. I I love the lounge part. See, the first part is where you have like a retailing section. And, and so tell me about this. Yeah. So Hi-Fi Wines um, was this uh, mother-daughter duo. They uh, wanted to open a, basically a place for themselves. <laughs> um, they were really excited about being able to kind of create something unique Um to, to their community. And so, um, it's kind of adjacent to a newer hotel that was built. And the, and so the experience is to be able to sort of be a bottle shop for the hotel. Um, so it definitely has this sort of like retail shoppable experience and then, um, transition into also being able to, uh, feel more like a wine bar, feel more like a, a restaurant experience. And so they have small plates and, and definitely offer food, um, as part of their concept and of course, really delicious wine. Their whole thing was that, you know, when you go into a wine shop, it can be really difficult to navigate what you like and, and how to choose things and without having, you know, some people feel uncomfortable asking. Um, and so they wanted to make it really easy 
for people to be able to understand how to buy and, and what to buy. And so they created this like really um, unique kind of numbering um, system, which categorizes all of the bottles in a very easy way to be able to navigate. It categorizes all of the bottles by um, different qualifiers like acidity and floral notes and things like that. So you could kind of go through the bottle shop and be able to shop really easily, um, which was fun to be able to kind of incorporate their signage and and their menu and the way that um, you actually interact with the retail shopping component, um, as well as this really fun wine bar concept. Right. And for um, if we could take a look at the next image we have, which is also part of this project, which I think is just doing such a great job of this very, very homey environment that's very modern and, and, and what your thoughts were on approaching this part, the lounge part of Hi-Fi. Sure. Um, so they have really excellent taste and they um, wanted to use uh, this beautiful vintage Hi-Fi uh, music piece, furniture piece that was their, um, was her grandfather's or her father's, depending on the mother daughter. Um, and, uh, so we had it refinished and restored. Uh, and that was kind of the centerpiece of the brand and the concept and the narrative around like, you know, gathering around music and, and kind of gathering in this really beautiful, um, living room type feel. That's how they wanted this space to be expressed. And so, uh, or that's, you know, really how they wanted people to feel when they, when they sat down. And so I think we achieved that, you know, it's got this, these kind of beautiful club chairs, more casual mid-century chairs, um, which are vintage pieces that we had refinished as well. Um, and it just created this really great balance of, you know, you can grab a bottle and have a seat and sit down. They have a great program where you can kind of like grab one of their bottles and um, not pay a corkage fee or it's very minimal corkage fee and sit in the lounge and enjoy it. Uh, and then you've got kind of the hi-fi music station behind you with actual records and things like that. So it was just it was such a great, great project to be able to work on with them. And, you know, looking at your, your projects, because there's been a lot of them and what I was very, uh, I noted, um, is that it doesn't seem like there's a Roy look like you really do distill the stories of other people so much that, I mean, it's sometimes, you know, designers or architects have like, Oh, that look, you know, they mm -hmm. really do that thing. Um, and you guys, like you really, I think it's a, a quite wonderful how well you're able to take the individual you know, needs or the aesthetics of your clients. And I'm curious about how that works within your firm. Mm -hmm. Like you really almost not divorce yourself because obviously you're bringing a whole world of color and, um, and everything as well, but how you do that so well, I would think that's very compelling for clients. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think about this a lot because it is a big differentiator from us and other design firms. Um, I think part of it's being in the hospitality sector and really wanting to um, to tell other people's story is so important to me. Um, I also think that I'm so passionate about so many different aspects of design. Um, you know, I do have a sort of a personal style, but I also have a lot of appreciation for 
um, you know, minimalist modernity versus sort of more like Art Nouveau and, and really like feminine design attributes. And um, so I've always, I think it's twofold. I think it's, it's my personal um, love of the full spectrum of what it means to be a designer and to be able to uh, use the the like sort of artistry and design principles that I know and apply it to different types of aesthetics uh, to achieve things that are really beautiful um, and also just my my true desire to tell other people's narrative to be able to mm. create spaces based on their passion I think it takes an unbelievable amount of passion and dedication to be in the hospitality industry. It's kind of a um, thankless job in a way, you know, it's, it's a lot of giving and, um, and I find it really important in our work to be able to express their story, their narrative, their reason for, for wanting to, to have an offering for their community. And so, so that's, I think where that comes from. And you mentioned design principles, and I'm curious if you feel like sharing maybe some some of the premises that underlie how yours were created. Like if there's like an influence or a time in your life that you that always is like, yeah, that was very formative. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I think. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town. We didn't travel a lot. I definitely didn't have this like sort of elite experience growing up to be able to see the world and see lots of different inspirations. But I have always had an extremely strong design sense personally. Um, just I, I've always cared. I've always been passionate about it from a little kid. It was important to me that I designed my room. I built it out. I executed it. I mean, think my bless my mother. She let me. Um, but we, you know, they, my parents really let me explore the artistry in me as a, as a young child. And my grandparents were really influential. They traveled a lot. They were um, always kind of um, sharing with me. My grandmother was a very, very talented ceramic artist and they were always um, kind of inspiring me to, to lean into that aspect of myself, um, which I think is super helpful. Um, and just kind of, you know, growing up in and around the Bay Area, even though I grew up in kind of a small town outside of the Bay Area, but um, you do kind of have access to, to being able to experience really beautiful things. And they just always caught my eye. I've just always been attracted to, to beautiful design. And you had a lot of support too, which I think is very wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I um, was kind of naturally artistic. Um, and so, you know, like I said, my, my parents really let me lean into that and, and pushed me to express that more and were so wonderful in that way. Yeah. So I think that that's a huge contributor to it. So your first big project, you designed this great restaurant. And then, so how did then your firm, Roy G. Viv, come about? Like, so sure was um, did the second one come right after it's, I mean, it's been, it's been crazy. We've been open for 10 years. We've now completed over 200 projects. Um, we, we start, you know, I was just me. It was me. I was 
doing, I would do any projects I could. I, um, worked, I, I did so many things. <laughs> like I trying to think back of all the things I did. I worked for, um, home polish. I did lots of small residential projects on my own. Um, I would just say yes to anything. If it was work, I would say yes. Um, and I was really, I was so young and I was just trying to acquire both the knowledge of, um, how to become a really great designer, how to relate to clients, how to tell stories, how to run through that experience and also how to run a business. Um, and so because I was learning both of those things at the same time, I think our growth has sort of reflected both of those things at the same time. Um, and we've just scaled really organically. I've had, um, the firm as big as 12 people and as small as one or two. Um, and it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years as our project load has, has changed. Um, and we have lofty goals of growing in the next decade. We are just mapping out sort of our next 10 year plan. Um, but yeah, it's been really organic. It's been mostly word of mouth, a little bit of PR and just trying to kind of put myself out there all the time in new ways. And you recently rebranded. So what prompted that? You know, our brand was always, it was very black and white. It was um, kind of simple, super restrained. And I felt like I just wanted a little more expression of who we were um, and how we could relate to our clients. So I felt like it was time to to do a rebrand. We are also sort of re grounding for scale in the next 10 years. That's um, part of our plan. We're trying to um, sort of break into some new markets. And, um, you know, the first 10 years were really focused on the Bay Area and just doing as much work as we could here. And we've had a couple of projects outside of the Bay Area, Utah, New York. Um, we have a hotel in Texas we're working on now, Phoenix, Arizona. So those projects are really exciting. And, and now that we're kind of prepped for scale, we're ready to take on new markets which is great. And the rebrand just felt like time. It was like time for a fresh look, time for a fresh perspective, um, kind of gearing us up for what the next 10 years look like. And I'm curious, what is it like running a firm as a designer and then a business person? Like, do you have a chief of staff or are you just kind of in all of it? Um, I've been in all of it until about a year ago. I had just had a baby. Um, and so he <laughs> totally rocked my world and it was like, it's time for me to not do it all because I have this new role of being a mom. And that really was, I, you know, I think it's, it's allowed me to rethink how we operate. Um, it's allowed me to be more careful with my time. Um, I have a phenomenal design director and she really runs kind of the day-to-day, -day, um, a lot of the operational aspects of the business. Um, and that's taken, you know, a couple of years to really massage out and transition from it being sort of like all in my head, in my world, in my responsibility into the teams. Um, but it's been, it's both, I think, equally sort of healthy and challenging to grow into that um, new phase of, of what the business looks like, but it's, it's great. And it's wonderful because it, it probably enables you to really double down on like what you do best on being a creative. 
Um, yeah, I mean, being a creative and being a business owner are often at conflict. Um, <laughs> so I I do have a um, just kind of a, a really a keen discipline sensibility to myself. I, I always have, and that has lended very fortunately for my business to be successful. I think that that has kept me um, afloat and, and been a great attribute of mine. Um, and the creative piece is also um, really wonderful. And I feel like I'm kind of able to lean back into that um, now that I have more support within the team. So it feels good. Yeah. And I'm curious and congratulations on a new little human being. Thank you. <laughs> Thank so you. What's been inspiring to you lately? Like, what are some things that you've been noticing more? If that's how it works with you creatively, you know what I mean? If you see something or you read a book or, or your baby, you know, or. Yeah, totally. Just ran, I, mean, ran. Um, I would say be, the coolest thing about being a mom is how vulnerable it's made me, um, which is a really powerful tool if, if you can really lean into it. Um, it's made me a better boss. It's made me, I think, a much better designer. Um, just being able to kind of open up and really be more honest with um, our approach, with with who we want to work with, um, with how we want to grow within the company and within the organization, um, and how we want to design and and what matters to us. Um, I think you know when you become a mom or, or really if you have any sort of big life change, I think most people can relate to this. You, you just start to really hone in on your priorities and time is so precious. And um, I've just gotten really clear on, on who we are and where we're going. And that feels really good. That's awesome. So when people go to thisisroy.com, what, who is Roy? <laughs> people always ask me that. Um, Roy is the name of our firm, but Roy is, um, it was, it's actually my grandfather's name. So he was a, um, wonderful entrepreneur, uh, very big inspiration to me in my life. We were extremely close. Um, and he always told me that I could be anything I wanted. Um, he always inspired, uh, entrepreneur thinking and just sort of the freedom to be able to, own your life in the way that you want to own it. Um, and honestly, I took a ton of inspiration from him, but the firm used to be called Hannah Collins Designs many years ago. And uh, when we rebranded to getting rid of residential and just kind of niching down to hospitality specifically, I went through a rename and his name popped up. I wanted something short, sweet, masculine, just because we're an all-female team. Um, and that felt like the right, felt like the right thing. Yeah, it's it's a really great name, um, and I'm I I always like to. So many I was just perusing through images of your projects, and there's so many cool ones. And I think between Beretta and I think it's Caio Rooftop, I could be massacring mm-hmm. that name, but those are like two of my personal favorites, and I'm gonna visit both of them at some point. But um, I'm curious. We have a little image of Caio Rooftop. And um, we're putting that up on the screen and you can see it's this wonderful. Now, can you tell me the location of this? Sure. So this is in downtown San Francisco, very close to the Giant Stadium. Um, And it's on a rooftop. Uh, It's 
fabulous. It, 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 you're close. It's called Kayo. Um, and it's, it's kind of Asian fusion, um, in concept. They, they, we worked on their first location in the Marina. Um, and then when they expanded to this rooftop location, we also worked with them for this. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really cool. It's super fun. Um, really bright colors, uh, just this really unique indoor outdoor experience. Designing on a rooftop has its challenges. Um, and obviously in San Francisco, even more so just because it's often windy and cold, especially being kind of down by the water. And so we did a lot to um, deal with like wind mitigation and heating and kind of trying to make an outdoor space comfortable, as comfortable as an indoor space for people. Um, and I think it, it's, it's working. It's very busy and popular and it's beautiful. And it's glamorous. And I'm curious, what was life like for you around the time that you were working on this project? What what was it like? Mm. I'm curious. It's- this was so funny enough. I was actually living in Utah when we were designing this project. Um, and well, I guess I wasn't. I, w- I was living here and then the pandemic hit and everything like went crazy. And then we kind of came back to it a little bit and then they ended up building it. We were not involved in the construction of this project. We just did the design Mm -hmm. Um, and they built it through COVID and it took quite a few years, but they did get it done. Um, But I would say, yeah, I mean, this again is a total reflection of the owner's dream. I mean, you know, I think mentally I was, I don't know, excited and <laughs> happy and loving what we were working on. But it, it was really the owner's name is John Park. And he just had a really strong vision of what he wanted. And we were there to help him execute it. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, we've been keeping you for a little while, but there's just That's so okay. many things I want to ask you. What's it like going to a restaurant or a hotel or a you know, bottle shop that you've designed and hanging out, being off the clock. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely one of the best parts of my job. Um, I think also, I mean, it's fun to just experience spaces, but it really gives me so much joy to see my clients happy functioning in their spaces and to see other people experiencing their spaces um, experiencing their story. The biggest compliment, my favorite compliment, that we get, and we get it quite a bit, is um, when clients say to me, people come in here and they tell us how they feel and it's exactly the way we wanted them to feel. You know, that's just so wonderful to hear because that's our job. Our job is to, you know, tell their story, um, curate an experience that allows for these really amazing emotional feelings to happen. And Um, for connection to happen and for community to build and for people to experience all the wonderful things about life. Um, And when people give us that feedback, I mean, it's just, there's, I, there's nothing I'd rather, I'd rather do with my time. Yeah. I think it's very powerful, right? Like, gosh, totally. You know, you're super powerful. Yeah. Um, And, and it's, it's just so much bigger than, than our day to day and so much bigger than, than the work that we do. There's so much more to being able to be in the hospitality, um, in the hospitality sector that is just, like I said, it can be thankless, but it's also extremely, uh, gratifying. 
That's really, that's really, really interesting. Oh, lastly, I, on your website, um, I think it was like you're a fan of well reading and specifically one of the things you like to do is read self-help books. So has there been an interesting <laughs> yeah. one or one that's been rocking your world lately? Uh, I'm a big self-help fan. I, in fact, I have a joke that I have like, um, we have a joke, we call it self-help mountain in our house. We just have these like books on books on books of the ever-growing mm-hmm. pile of self-help books. Um, I would say my two favorite self-help gurus right now are I'm I'm always reading and listening to Brene Brown she's a big one for me Mm -hmm. she um wrote uh Daring Greatly which is one of my favorite books and then um I would say Simon Sinek is another one he's a big I'm a big fan of his he wrote Start With Why um he's taught me a lot about why I do the work I do um, how I think about it, why my clients do the work that they do, um, and sort of how to build really strong, powerful brands. Awesome. Well, well done. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much again for joining us. I'm excited to see about your work. You know, I, I know that you are doing like a hotel in New York and you mentioned one in Texas, and it's just going to keep the, the map of glamour. And I mean glamour <laughs> in the sense of that wonderful, elevated, exciting kind of transposed feeling from every day. So thank um, you. I'm thank excited. You. Your, your web of glamour is spreading throughout the nation. That's the goal. That is definitely the goal. <laughs> there, there you go. Thanks so much, Hannah. Thank you, Constance. Thank you.